Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. Well, I'm so excited because we decided as a pastoral team to um, start a series about honoring God. <laughs> and it's so um, fun to learn about honor. And it's honestly like I feel so blessed to be able to be up here to be the first one to talk about it today. <clears throat> because honor is really important. God takes it seriously, right? And not only God took it seriously, but in our Bible reading this week, did anybody read about Jesus going into the temple? And he found uh, there were some people in there that were dishonoring God. And how were they dishonoring God? They were selling things for sacrifices, and they had made it into what Jesus called was a marketplace, right? And he said, he drove, he made a whip, and he drove them out of there, and he said, Get, stop treating my father's house like a marketplace. So if Jesus took honor seriously, then we should also take honor seriously, right? So I'm so excited about this message today, but it's going to be a little different than you probably have ever heard me preach before because it's just a little bit, it's a little heavy. I preached it at youth this, this Thursday, and usually the youth are kind of rambunctious, not this particular message, but I teached about honor. Usually they're a little bit rambunctious and things like that, but man, they were silent in there on Thursday night. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, this is so, so just remember, usually it's, it's not as light as some of the other messages that you've heard from me, but I just want you to turn to 2 Corinthians, please, <clears throat> and we're going to be in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5. Now, I'm going to uh, throw some technology at you, some old technology. Do you remember those big, when I was in elementary school, there was a big computer monitor, and like it was all white, and then the screen was black with green writing? Anybody remember those old computers? How about, okay, so now going up a little bit into my teenage years, my parents got a bag phone for the car. Remember those bag phones? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my parents still have theirs somewhere, too. And then you move up and you get a little bit older. Or when I got a little bit older, all of a sudden my first cell phone was one of those uh, flip phones, right? And then it moved into like a long, skinny phone, like a Nokia, I think is what it was called. Yeah, and you could put on clip on all of these cool clips to make it look cool. Or what about, um, I never really did too many video games, but my uh, family had a Sony PlayStation and we played Frogger on it, right? Now gaming consoles are nothing like that now. But, and I think we played uh, at Michael's brother's cabin. They found when they bought it, somebody had left an old Nintendo there. And so they were playing like Mario on the old Nintendo. So, or what about like cassette tapes, maybe going even way back like eight tracks. Anybody have eight tracks or records? That's before my time. But for those of you in my generation, remember CD players? Yeah. All of those things, like nobody uses them anymore. It's amazing we were trying to use a CD for the Christmas program this year and we're like, man, how are we gonna get that over to like a digital file so that we can use it in a different way, right? So when those new things, when new things come out, they just kind of replace the old. But you're wondering like, why do they, why do we have new things? Well, more efficiency, higher speeds, better pictures, better sound, right? All of those things, serves the same purpose as it used to, still plays music, but it's better, right? It's in a different way. Or some people might argue that it's not better, I'm not sure. But in 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to look at verse 17, Paul is writing to a church here, and he's writing, he says, now that you have received Christ into your hearts, your life should look a little bit differently. Not, you're still serving the same purpose, but now you have a, a different way of presenting it. Now it's going to look different. So this is what it says right here. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, actually, you know what? I'm going to read it out of a different translation. I'm going to read it out of the New King James. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
And now I really like to use the God's word translation sometimes because it's really easy to understand. So in God's word, it says, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared and a new way of living has come into existence. A new way of living has come into existence. So real quick, let's review. How do you become a new creation? How? Through Christ, right? You receive Christ into your heart. You become what we would call, in modern-day terms, a Christian. Christ-like, right? You receive Jesus. You ask for forgiveness. You determine to live your life the way that God would want you to receive it. Okay, what things become new inside of you, according to this verse? All things, right? All things become new. So it says, the old way of living has passed. A new way of living has come into existence. So... Now I have a rhetorical question here. You don't really have to answer this, but I want you to think about it. What kinds of old ways of living need to disappear? And I think for each person, it depends on where you're at. What is God calling you up to higher? It's pretty cool. Um, So I think you just need to look inside of you and say, God, what in my life needs to disappear? What do I need to drive out, so to speak, like what Jesus did in the temple? What do I need to drive out to make room for you? We sung a song this morning that said, I will make room for you, do whatever you want to do. Do you really have that attitude about your life? Do you really have the attitude, God, no matter what I feel like I should do, I'm going to drive out the things that you're telling me one at a time until I can make more room for you in my life, until I can make more room for honoring you. So let's go on to verse 18 and we'll learn about why. Why do we have to become new? Why, Why does something inside of us need to be made new? Well, God has done all of this, it says in verse 18. God has done all of this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ, and he has given us a ministry of restoring relationships. That's kind of interesting. A lot of you might know this as the ministry of reconciliation. That's how most translations say it. But I like the way God's word said it because we understand what it means to restore a relationship. Why do we need to be made new? Well, it plainly tells us right here in verse 18. Because he's given you a ministry. And in order to do that ministry, you need to have more of him on the inside of you. You need to have more of the good stuff, the efficient stuff, right? The better way of doing things on the inside of you. So like it or not, when you chose to follow Christ, you entered into ministry. A lot of times people think ministry is just what I'm doing right here today or the worship team or children's ministry or whatever. I have news for you. If you have Jesus in your heart, you are called to ministry. And it's the most important ministry that anybody could be called to. And so let's just look at that a little bit. What does it mean to restore a relationship? So in the Amplified, verse 18 says this. This is where I wanted to read out of my Amplified here. It says, all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to him. That's the reconciliation, right? He received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. And in parentheses, it describes it right here. By word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. By word and deed. Whose word and whose deed? Think about it. It says this. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. By word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. Whose words? Whose deeds? Ours. Our words and our actions. You guys, this is a high calling. This requires something, right? This is saying, now that I've received Jesus into my life, well, that's great. Your life isn't just to be a good Christian on the earth. Your life is to bring others into his family. That's the only reason. The reason God created us was to create a family. He loves us. He loves everybody in here, but he loves everybody who's not in church today too. And your ministry is to go by word and deed, bring others into a relationship with him. So I think that that's such a powerful thing. So let's keep reading on in verse 19. In the God's Word translation, it says, In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He did not hold people's faults against them, and he has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. What did he say? He doesn't hold people's faults against them. I think that's really important to apply to our own lives. God doesn't hold our faults against us. In fact, when I was reading the Romans this morning, Romans chapter 8, 
see if I can pull it up here. I think I took a screenshot of it. It says, it was, it was Romans 8, 14, I think. It says, the mature children, this is in the Passion Translation. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. I am not talking about religious duty right now. I'm talking about a way of life that honors God. So get that out of your mind. It says this in the next part. I love the way this translation says it. It, um, You did not receive the spirit of religious duty that leads you back into the fear of never being good enough. I don't want you to leave here today saying, oh my gosh, like what I said, a heavy message. I don't want you leaving here today saying, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to live up to honoring God? It's not about that. It's about little changes that you make according to what the Holy Spirit is speaking on the inside of you so that you can make room for him. So you can have more of him in your life to become more efficient, just like the technology that we were talking about becomes more efficient. And this says it enfolds you. uh, You have received the spirit of full acceptance, praise God, which enfolds you into the family of God. You will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Isn't that awesome? God is such a beautiful God. He loves us so much. So when you leave here today, I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, how can I ever do what this message, how can I ever do this honor God thing? It's easier than you think it is. And the more of him that you put on the inside of you, the more of him that is going to come out of you to have the ministry of restoring relationships or leading others into relationship with him through your words and actions. So just disclaimer there. It's not by false. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians verse 19. It says, sorry, this is so chopped up here. In the Passion Translation, it puts it this way in verse 19. It says, he has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. So all of a sudden we have a ministry and our ministry is opening the door of reconciliation to God. So that's saying, hey, all of a sudden your life looks a little different, not totally different. We still go to work, right? We still pay bills. We still have families. We still take our kids to activities. Our lives don't look that much different from everybody else's life, but something sets us apart. And it says right here, when something does set you apart and a conversation opens up, all of a sudden you have a chance to minister God's love to somebody. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. Hey, there's a loving father who loves you so much and he wants you to enjoy his love on this earth, right? That's all we're doing. We're just opening up a door and that's an awesome privilege to have that God gave us. So in this verse, it says, number one, he gave us forgiveness and he pointed us to a better way, a more efficient way, the best way, which is what? Jesus, right? The Bible says, um, John 14, 6, the only way to the Father, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way somebody can come to the Father is through Christ Jesus. I totally butchered that. Michael, can you pull it up? (laughs) I am the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe he can pull it up. There it is. No one comes to the Father. That's what it was. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the only way that people are going to get to the Father God, the only way people are going to have a relationship restored to God is through Jesus. And it's your job to point them to Jesus. That's all we're saying here. Um, so what does he want us to do with what he's given us in this verse, this, this awesome ministry? He's saying, I want you to forgive others and I want you to lead them to me. Recently, I was listening to, Michael was reading a book called Driven by Eternity by John Bevere, excuse me, and I started listening. He's got some courses online, and I was listening to that particular course, and his, one of his lessons was about hell, and um, I know about hell. I've learned about, I mean, I've been a Christian since I was four years old. I know, I've heard about it, whatever, heard it taught, all the fire and brimstone sometimes I've said under that teaching. But what he explained hell as in this course that I was taking, it really, it shook me. Like, I just started thinking about it in the context of the people I work with every day that I love, and they might not know Jesus. The person at the store who's obviously having a hard time because they're grumpy needs Jesus. And it really, 
I can't even tell you what it did on the inside of me, but it really spoke to me. Some of my cousins and my family members need Jesus, right? Hell is a place, like Michael said um, on the Christmas Eve service, it's a place where people joke about, oh yeah, I'm just going to hell, or there's a highway to hell, isn't there a song about that? But it's a real place, and it's not a place where you would want even your worst enemy to go to. And so thinking about that in context, this is an important ministry, not just to keep people out of hell, but then think about, okay, now think about your friends and family who are on this earth and they're struggling, right? It is hard to watch people you love struggle because they don't know the word that will set them free because they don't have access to the Father God who wants to show them the way out. And how are they going to get access, guys? Who's going to tell them? We have to be the ones to tell them. And it's important to do that. It's so important. But there's, there's a prerequisite to that. I think it's, I mean, you can go, trust me, you have Jesus in your heart, you can go minister Jesus. But guess what they're doing right now? They're watching your life. They're watching your character. They're watching your words and actions, just like that verse in the Amplified said. They're watching you to see, how are you living? Are you different? Why would I want what you have? And so we're going to delve into that just a little bit today. I did want to read in verse 20 real quick. Um, let me see here. Yes, that's it, Dad. Sorry. It says in the Passion Translation again is where I wanted to read. It says, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. As God, we're tenderly pleading with them through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Who is Paul writing to here? Who did we say he was writing to at the beginning? Do you remember? He's writing to a church. He's writing to a church. And he's saying, God wants to plead with people directly through your lips. But how can he do that if you are not reconciled to him? Look right there. It says Paul. Paul says, I tenderly plead with you, the church. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. I think sometimes what happens in our lives is we come to church, and then we leave church, and church is left at church. But that's not how God designed it to be. What is the actual church in the New Testament? It's us. We carry the presence of God around. We are the ones telling people about Jesus through our words and actions. Everyday, your everyday life is, is your testimony. That's the biggest testimony you can have. It's, and it's a, a big responsibility. It's not something that should be taken lightly. So when we do this Honor God series, I want you to know this is a serious thing. We already, I already did say that. So... I want to just ask you today, how are you representing Christ? Are you the kind of ambassador that Jesus says, yes, I want you? Let's just think about some things in our lives. This is where it gets a little heavy, but hang with me here. This is just for you to, you to reflect on. Me too, when I was writing this, I was reflecting, trust me. So let's talk about your words and your speech. What kind of things are coming out of your mouth? And I'm not just talking about cussing. I'm not just talking about the words that you're actually speaking. I'm talking about what are you speaking about? How are you saying it? Are you speaking in love? <clears throat> or are you speaking with offense? I had a friend come over recently. I was having actually kind of a, a dumb day <laughs> where it was like, it was Christmas break. There was one thing I wanted to do on Christmas break. My husband and I told the kids, you can pick anything you want to do on Christmas break. I have three children. One of them picked ice skating slash chill. She put a second one in there. One of them picked sledding, and one of them picked um, skiing. So we scheduled all three of those in, and how many of you know how cold it was the first week of Christmas break? Yeah, super cold, right? So we ended up not being able to do any of those things like we thought, and we had to move them to the next week, which crunched my time up. On top of that, Michael was making these beautiful cutting boards out of his grandma's um, walnut tree, and they were beautiful, but obviously time crunch because Christmas is coming and he needs to get those out, right? Hours and hours of work in the garage. And I just wanted to do one thing. I just wanted to deep clean the kitchen. 
That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> That's really, and so now here we are. It's almost, Christmas break is almost over. And here I am, another day. Michael was snowmobiling. The kids had kids over. I'm like, all I wanted to do was clean the kitchen. This whole two weeks, all I wanted to do was clean. I'm like, being a mom and a wife is so hard. You never get to do what you want to do. And so my friend comes over, and I'm like, Bleh. complaining. I'm grumbling. I'm groaning. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to be a mom and a wife? I'm like, you can never do what you want to do. Just one thing I want, and I wanted to clean. It wasn't like I was asking for a spa treatment, right? <laughs> and so anyway, she left. My friend left. And that morning, I had read the verse in the Bible. I can't tell you where it's at. It says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. That morning, I had read that verse. And it rose up inside of me, and I thought, what kind of a testimony did I just give? Often, you find it to the people closest to you, right? Your family. I have something in here where I say, are you full of offense? Or something. I'll probably read it later. Are you full of offense, or are you full of love and joy and peace? What do you think my family would probably say about me? I think probably most of the time they would say I'm full of love, but am I always full of joy and peace? Mm, right? Sometimes the people that you're the closest to are the ones that get it the worst, but they need to see your testimony too. And if you are a mom or if you're doing this to a sibling or even your parents who you're, you're called to minister to, you have to be aware of that. So what did I do? I texted that person and I said, I'm sorry. I was grumbling and complaining and I should not have been. My life is a good life. I love my life. I love my children. I love my husband. I'm thankful for this life that I get to have. So it's important when you do mess up, you go back and you change it. But So I want you to consider your words and speech, okay? What are you saying on a daily basis? What is coming out of your mouth? How is it coming out? What are you saying about others? When they're not around, are you gossiping? Are you dishonoring your employer? That's something that I've had to look on the inside of myself too and say, what am I complaining about my job or how, how am I presenting people around me to the people that I love? So you have to be really careful. And yes, there is. Are you using inappropriate language, a language that you should not be using? You guys think, you know, we watched this uh, on New Year's Eve, K-Love does a special. And they have all of these people come on here with, and do music. And there's this lady on there. I had never heard of her before. She was much older. And she sits down, and she is a songwriter. And so she starts singing one of her old songs. And it says, wouldn't it be nice? I don't know. Maybe some of you know this. Wouldn't it be nice if pastors never sinned was one of the verses. <laughs> and it really, like, struck me because I, you know, like, walk in a pastoral role in some capacities. And I was like, Oh my gosh, people think we're perfect. Like sometimes people think, so I'm up here telling you these stories, not because I want to say, hey, it's normal to do that. But I want you to say, this is something that I'm walking out, or I want you to know, this is something that I'm walking out in my life too. Okay, so this other part that I'm going to tell you about, inappropriate language. This happened to me this week at school. I'm telling a story. I know, this is, I almost didn't share this story because this is really transparent, okay? So I'm sharing a story at school, and it's a funny story, but the only way it's really funny is if you, like, say it how it is, right? So I'm telling about this time when Michael pranked a, a friend, and it was hilarious, and he videotaped her reaction, and she didn't know that he was videotaping at that time. And she says this, and so I told what she said, and it was not a nice word. And I actually said it. And when it came out of my mouth, and it's not, I don't want you guys to think it's really bad because I never use poor or bad language, but I did in this situation because I was telling what she said. You know, I was repeating what she said. And when it came out of my mouth, guess what? I instantly felt like, what did I just do? And it wasn't even me saying it, but I was repeating what somebody else said, and it did not feel good. So I want you to know, the Bible says this, blessing and cursing can't come out of the same fountain. You need to be very careful about what comes out of your mouth in all situations. So what did I do? I went to God and I said, God, forgive me. I can't believe I did that. I don't know what got into me. And now 
I know for next time, right? It's all a learning. You don't have to be perfect right from the get-go. God is calling you to a higher calling. He's saying, what can you change on the inside of you to pull you up higher? What can you change on the inside of you? Come up higher. Now what can you change on the inside of you? Come up higher, right? Less of us and more of him. It's a process. So it's not perfect from the beginning. Um, I was going to say, consider this. How do you spend your time? What are you spending your time on? This time right now during the great, the big reset is a perfect chance, a perfect opportunity for you to say, I'm going to change the way I spend my time. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to commit time every day to spending time with God. When I was in Children's Church last week, I said, you know, there's really three ways that you can spend more time with God. One is prayer. One is reading your Bible. And one is worship, right? And then obviously prayer is also listening. It's not just God, da, 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 da. Okay, goodbye. That's no conversation. Prayer is a conversation with God, so make sure you're listening too. But are you taking the opportunity that we're doing as a body of Christ here, and we're saying, let's take this opportunity to change the way we spend our time? Because let's put our time, let's put God, let's keep God, number one, where he's supposed to be. Um, let's see, what else? And oh, the other thing is helping others. Are you selfish about your time, always caring about what you want to do like I was in that situation that I just told you? Or are you considering others and serving others in that? Okay, what about this? What are you feeding yourself? What's going on on the inside of you? I'm talking about feeding yourself, not, not um, physical food. What are you feeding yourself mentally and emotionally? If you're doing a lot of social media, if you're listening to a lot of bad music, if you're watching a lot of bad movies, that stuff grieves your spirit. You need to get that stuff out so you can have more of God. Um, I want you to know this too. Other people are watching you, yeah. right? So I like country music. I grew up on country music. I knew way more country music than I ever did Christian music when I was growing up. That's just the way my family was. And when I clean, I like to put on 90s country music. Well, recently I felt like we were listening to the same songs over and over and over again. <laughs> so I was like, Alexa, play modern country. And I will tell you what, all of those songs are glorifying alcohol. Every single one of them. I was, Alexa, skip this song. Alexa, skip this song. Alexa, skip this song. Totally inappropriate for my children to listen to. And I just... And why? Because I don't want them to think that alcohol is the most, is the be all, give all. We, I have to be careful here, but I'm going to tell you this. As society, we have an issue when, gosh, this breaks my heart. Kindergartners, right? I can't wait to grow up so I can drink alcohol. Where are they getting that from? They're getting it from the grown-ups in their lives. They're getting it from the music and the movies that are teaching them. So what do we have to do? We have to make sure that we're feeding ourselves and our kids are watching us feed ourselves things that are going to glorify and honor God. Okay, so just make sure I'm not saying anything else about what you need to do in your personal life, but I am saying this. Make sure that everything you do or that you're working towards honoring God in your words and actions. And that includes what you're listening to and what your kids are watching you. Because trust me, they're watching. <laughs> my oldest daughter is 11 right now. And I told Michael, she has been watching our relationship like you would not believe. And I told Michael the other day, I'm like, we need to be careful. <laughs> I was like, do you realize how much she's watching? She's asking me all of these questions about why we said these things to each other and how this is going, and she's mim mimicking me. <laughs> so I have this really bad habit where I say sorry all the time, and guess what? She says she has been saying sorry like 25 times a day, and I'll, I'll say, baby, you don't have to be sorry. You say it all the time, Mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I told her. I said, I'm sorry. So they are watching you. That if you're a mom, they're watching you. Your children are watching you. People around you are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you at work. Your uh, parents are watching you. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, your social media accounts. People are watching what you post, what you, what you feed yourself on social media. 
And then if you go say, well, I have this thing that can really help you, and it's called Jesus, are they going to listen to you if you haven't already built up a platform of, hey, I'm different, I have something that you need? They're not going to listen to you, so make sure that what you're feeding yourself is good, okay? How about this? Your attitude and how you carry yourself. When somebody says, hey, how are you? Are you the one that's always answering that you're down in the dumps or stressed out? Because if that's the case, I can guarantee they're not going to want what you have. Nobody needs more of that in their lives. And it's okay to be transparent and it's okay to say, hey, I'm going through a hard time right now, but I know the helper and he's helping me. Right? So make sure that what you're doing, your attitude, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect, and I'm not even saying you have to strive towards these specific things. I'm saying what is in your heart that you can open up and lift out and put more of God in so that these things come natural. Okay? Um, what about your servanthood? This is the last thing. What about your servanthood? Jesus was a servant, He always was looking for ways to serve others. What are you doing today? Because it says that we're the body of Christ. How are you being Jesus' hand and feet? What are you doing to further his kingdom? We re read in our Bible this week in John chapter 4. Oh, I love this story about the woman at the well. Did anybody read that in John 4 this week? Oh, man, it spoke to me so. I think I read that particular story four or five times. Because he went there and he was tired. And he sat on the well and he said, can I have some water? But you know that the Father God sent him there for that time. And instead of worrying about himself at that time, he said, I have water that you need. I have living water. All you have to do is come drink from it. And he started ministering to her, even though he was tired. Even though he, I'm sure, after, I know what it's like to minister. And you are tired after you're ministering. And he's ministering to all these people. On top of that, he's traveling around. He's discipling his his inner group, and he sits down, and he, I'm sure he just wants to sit. But God gave him an opportunity, and he took it, and he ministered to that lady. And I love what it says. I don't remember what verse it is in John 14, but it said this. When his disciples came up and said, Jesus, you need to eat something. This is his answer. My nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish and completely finish his work. When you are serving, when you're pouring out, God will fill you up. It's amazing how his doing his will nourishes you. So in light of all of these things, I want you to be totally honest with yourself. Are you representing Christ as he represented his father? In our Bible reading today, again, I'm going to read it actually because this is what I think this one was in John. Let me see. It says... Um, yep, it was in John chapter 8, verse 28. He's telling, he's talking to the religious leaders of the day. And the religious leaders are just hammering him with all of these questions. And how do you have authority to do these things? And who do you think you are? And in verse 28, he says this, You will know me as I am after you have lifted me up from the earth as the son of man. Then you will realize I do nothing on my own initiative. I only speak the truth that the Father has revealed to me. This is in the Passion, Michael. I am his messenger, and he is always with me, for I only do that which delights his heart. And when I go home and I'm doing my prayer time later on in the evening, I'm going to pray this for myself. And did you know you could do that? Did you know you can take the word of God depending on who it's written to. Right here, Jesus is talking about what he does, and we are the body of Christ, so we can say it, and we can say, God, help us to be your messengers. You are always with us. I only want to do that which delights your hearts. Right? That's what Jesus did. This is what he says. He says, I only do what delights my Father's heart. So I'm asking you right now, are you, doing, are you the kind of ambassador that delights Jesus' heart, delights the Father God's heart? Is that the kind of ambassador or representative that you are? So, Or are you representing something else? Because later on in this chapter, if you guys haven't read it today, it talks about how Jesus tells the religious leaders, or are you following your own father? And he wasn't talking about the Father God. He was talking about the devil. And so who are you representing? 
when you are out and about doing your thing, doing your life, like I said, we're normal. We go out, we work, we do the normal things. But are you representing your Father God or are you accidentally, because I'm sure you don't do it on purpose, representing the devil? And just think about that when you do an action or when you do say something. And if you mess up, get it under the blood. Father, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Help me. Have you ever heard that? Help me help my stupid self. (laughs) Right? Help me, Father God. I need to get better at at honoring you. So let's go back to verse 18. uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 in the Amplified. I just want to really hammer this home. What is the ministry of reconciliation? When you read it, you let me know. What is the ministry of reconciliation? By, can you go to the Amplified, Michael? Mm -hmm. By word and deed, what? By word and deed, we make ourselves proud. Is that what it is? We bring others to Christ. By our words and our actions, we are bringing others to Christ. That's the ministry that you've been called to. If you leave here today and you remember nothing else, I want you to remember this. By your words and your actions, you are bringing others to Christ. That's what God put us here for. That's why we're doing it. He wants a big family. So to answer the question from the beginning, how do you do this ministry? The biggest thing you can do is lead a godly life. Sometimes it means driving something out of your life to make more room for him. Just like I told you in John chapter 2 when Jesus drove the, the people out of his um, father's house. And he said, don't make this a marketplace. Now, I want to show you this illustration that I used in youth when I taught about, about kind of the same thing. So this is water. And this just represents somebody's life who doesn't have God, right? Just clean water. They're just, I don't know, it's just clear, right? That's your life. But this is what happens when God enters into your life. I want you to listen closely what happens when I open this bottle. Okay, listen for a sound. Do you hear that? There's a little bit more life, a little bit more sparkle in there, right? When you have God in your life, It looks a lot the same, right? They're both clear liquids. But look what happens in this one. There's a little bit of fizz. I see some bubbles in here. So yes, we're still going to work. We're still doing all of the things that a person does. A Christian does that. But a Christian is set apart because there's other things in their life that set them apart. There's things in their life that show, hey, I have something that you need. I have good character. Or they're watching you. They're watching you have good character. They're watching you have, um, they're watching your speech and your words. They're watching what you're taking into your spirit. They're watching how you talk about your boss. They're watching how you treat your family. They're watching your relationships with people around you. And they're like, wow, that looks a little more interesting than what I have, right? And then when you say, hey, I have this, and it's available for you too. They're like, give it to me because I want that fizz. But it's your responsibility. You're the one who has to show them. So that's it. That's all I have for today. But I want you to take this. I want you to think about this today. Be the best ambassador that you can be. Show all of those bubbles because the fizz is what attracts people to God, and they need God. So as we go through this Honor God series, I want you to really consider in your heart, Father God, and not just consider in your heart, ask him, what do I need to remove from my life so that I can have more of you? How can I come up higher? Pray the prayer that I just read. You can find it. It's in John chapter 8. It's in our Bible reading today. Pray that prayer. Father, I want to be your messenger. Help me to be your ambassador. Help me to be the one that you've called me to be so that I can lead others to Christ. Lead others to Christ through me, Jesus. Do you want to come up and say anything, Dad? Or? Okay, in just a minute. All right. Well, let's just pray real quick. I want to just pray this over you right now. So you don't have to say anything back, but I'm just going to pray. Father God, I just ask that you would minister to each heart this morning. Holy Spirit, your word says that you are our teacher So teach hearts this morning about what we can change, what we can do differently, how we can move up higher with you, how we can make room for you in our lives, God. 
Lord, it might be something little. It might be something that we considered in our speech. It might be something we considered in our attitudes. It might be something that we're taking in that we shouldn't be taking in. Or, Father God, it might be something, even a deeper issue of the heart. Father, a hidden secret of the heart. Reveal that to us, Holy Spirit. And right now we make a commitment to you, Father God, or I make a commitment to you, and they can speak for themselves, Father. I commit, Father, to move up higher for you. I commit to honor you in my life so that my life speaks loudly to those around me, so that not only can we snatch them out of hell, Father God, but we can make sure that in this life, they're living a life full of peace and joy and love. Help us to not get in offense about things, Father God, but help us to respond with love. Your word says that your love is shed abroad in our hearts, Father God, and we know that that love is sufficient for any situation that we endure. So, Father God, help us to forgive those around us and help us to love with your love because love is the fizz that they need. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. We praise you and we thank you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So, in Acts, you know, Acts 1-8, turn your Bibles if you, if you, if you, uh, you have it right there. Acts 1-8 says this, but ye shall receive power. Now, remember, this was when they were uh, commanded to gather in the upper room. And he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This word power is the word, uh, uh, original word deutimus, which is like dynamite. This dynamite power, he said, you're going to have and it's going to cause you to become witnesses. Does that sound anything like what Pastor Kendra just ministered there about the fizz on the inside that makes a difference. And so when you have that power on the inside, you don't act the same way. You don't talk the same way. You don't look at things the same way. It changes your outlook. It changes your attitude. It changes your directive in life totally. Because it's you're working not from the the view of the world, but you're, look, you're working from the view of God on the inside. You're working from that power that's on the inside, praise God. And so all of a sudden things are different. Now, now and I'm not saying this to put a pin on my chest, but when people act, and I see even believers acting a certain way, I think, how can you act like that? How can you talk like that? How, how, how? How is that possible? And, and the reason is, is because I'm seeing it, I've seen it so long from the God view. Now there's still, don't get me wrong, there's still things I always have to deal with. And, you know, Kendra was talking about this. I had one of those moments this week too. It was like, you know, during, um, you know, New Year's and everything, it was like, I just have been working so much. It's like I just want, I just want some downtime. I just need a little, I need a little downtime. It's like, but no, life kept going on, and it was like there was no, there was no downtime. There was no time just to enjoy things. And I was mumbling, complaining about it, and it was like I just want some time a little bit away, and uh, and I had to get my attitude right on that. Sometimes we, we do that, but at the same time. Then once when we get a hold of realizing who we are on the inside, it makes all the difference. The important thing is we don't stay that way. We recognize it and we jerk the slack out of ourselves and say, stop it and get back to where we need to go. Amen? Amen? Amen. We, we might have those moments because we're in this world. He said, you're going to have troubles in this world. There's going to be problems. But I want you to remember this illustration, what Kendra did, of the bubbles on the inside. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, on the inside, it will change you from the inside out. It makes you different. And we see here then, moving forward in Acts, as you go into chapter 2 and chapter 3, you find out that these, that these that were gathered in the upper room, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues. There was a power that came out of the inside of them, and it, it was 
uh, demonstrative in its working. In other words, people saw it. They saw, man, this person's doing this and this. And, and the Bible says and they, they preached. They preached with power, and 3,000 were added to the Lord. And 5,000 were added to the All of a sudden, the church just, just exploded. Well, guess what? That's the same power that we are to walk in every day. Hallelujah. So when things come along, thank you, Lord. I just love when the Holy Ghost will just stop you and just put something. I was talking to Gijay about this the other day. Holy Ghost, he'll download something into you that quick, and it'll be more than you can say in a few words. It happens so quick on the inside. And I heard, heard the Spirit of God say, it takes a life committed not a life that the flesh enjoys. Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy. No, shut up, flesh. This is a commitment. This is higher than this. This is bigger than this, folks. This is bigger than you and I. Sometimes we gotta take, jerk the slack out of our flesh and say, "Stop it." The witness you were talking about. There's lives that are on the line here. Hallelujah. And it takes a commitment on our part. That's why we've been doing the Great Reset. You know, I mean, it, it, it takes a commitment. We're, we're willing to help each one of you take a commitment, a serious stand on this, and say, okay, this is it. This is not a New Year's resolution. This is real. I'm, I'm, I'm resetting. I'm recommitting in some things. And I, I, I know that those things are not right. Now is the time to do it. A lot of times people won't do it because there's a price to pay. Don't want to pay that price. But I'm telling you, God wants you to, God wants that fizz to be big on the inside of you. Hallelujah. I said, God wants that fizz to be big on the inside of you. He wants you that power to be just just surging on the inside. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So there's some here today, and you know that you need to recommit in some things because it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me, it's about others. If we live our life for ourselves, there won't be satisfaction. It'll run out real quick. And some of you sitting in this room under the sound of my voice right now, have experienced some things, and you know, and God spoke to you at the time about it, you know that you had, to, you had to do some certain things and you had to walk a certain walk. And you started out in it, but then you backed off. And it's time to get back to that point. God doesn't condemn you. He said, come on. Come on, I've got more for you talk about being heavy. This is a little bit heavy right now. It needs to be. You know who you are. And it's time. Let's get it right. Let's just do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God's speaking to your heart right now. You know. You know that's you. God will work with you and he'll help you. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't say, oh, you just messed up. No, he says, come on, I love you. you got a good plan for your life. Because we need to be affecting the people around us in the right way. And that's exactly right, Kinder. Whenever the Spirit of God will do something, instantly you know it's not right. Now, the Spirit of God will work with you. He'll work with me. He'll work with us in certain things. And some other people, sometimes it won't bother because they haven't stepped up to some of the things and, and, and said, you know. But then there might be some things that really bothers them that maybe wouldn't necessarily bother us, the Spirit of God. Does. So there's some things on the inside. But you know when you do something that's not right, you know it. It grieves the Holy Ghost on the inside. And thank God for that. It's not a condemnation. It's a conviction. There's a completely difference. He doesn't push us 
down and say, you terrible thing. No, it's like, I should not have done that. Lord, forgive me. Hallelujah. I just like it when the Holy Ghost does it. People will be quick to condemn, but God convicts. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to convict the world of sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm just taking a little bit because I'm telling the Spirit of God is touching some hearts right now, some things, and and, and, and you know he, he's doing, he's putting some, his finger on some things on the inside, and you know what it is, you just, let's just get it right. Hallelujah. Because he loves us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's time to get the fizz back again. It's time to time to let that rise up on the inside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, we can preach a message and get all fired up. Praise God. Oh, yeah, it was good. How was church? Oh, it was great. It was awesome, man. It just felt good. It was just good. Yeah. Some of those messages, I remember what Pastor Lee was saying. He would always say, he says, sometimes this message might not cause you to jump and shout, but it'll cause you to prosper. That's what it's about. There's plenty of time for jumping and shouting. Sometimes we need to get some things right, praise God. Hallelujah. We're going on. Amen? I said we're going on. God has some good things for us. Better things. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Rita, there's much more. There's much more. You haven't said anything yet. If you'll you'll make the decision, God, I just want all that you've got for me. He'll begin to open some things to you that you never seen, never experienced, never, but you know it's him. And just tell him, God, I'm taking the limits off. And I think every one of us need to do that. We just take the limits off. God, do what you want to do. Because he wants to show himself to you. Regardless of what has happened or ever been in your past, it's not your future. Your future is greater than anything that you've ever experienced. God's bigger than all that. God's bigger than all that. You've seen a little restoration. and You've seen little things, but you haven't seen nothing yet. It's amazing how we hold the keys to where we go, how far we go. Yeah, God, I, I want to go with you, but I, I'll hold a little bit back. Sometimes we just need to open up and say, God, you, you, you've got it. You, you've got my heart. You've got it. And then watch the, watch the fizz. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is good. I said God's good. There's so much more. That's what I'm seeing right now. There's so much more than where we're... we're than where we're at right now. God has so much more for us. I mean, there's some of you right now is just standing out big to me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to, I'm telling you, I can see your future. God has so much more. And you haven't even tapped in yet. Begin to tap in to the things that God has. And I'm telling you, God will take you there if you'll be willing just to take the limits off. Say, God, you got, you got it. I've, you got my life. Just let him do it. It's okay. Don't let the things of the world dull you and say, well, you know, this, is, this, has, been, this has been a good run. But no, I'm telling you, God wants to do things that will just make you jump up and down and shout, praise God. Some of you, God has done a lot of things in a great way, but 
it's nothing compared to what he wants to do. That's what it's about. There's much more. I said there's much more. There's much more. And God doesn't hold back. It's us that's holding back. Hallelujah. I said it's us that's holding back. Let's just turn it loose. Say, God, you got it. You got it. I'm not going to let these things govern me any longer. I'm not going to let these things hold me back. I'm not going to do I'm I'm going to do what you want me to do, Lord. And oh, the joy. Oh, the goodness. Oh, the blessing of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Good stuff, Kendra. Good stuff. Thank you. Let's stand our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. you're here today and maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about joining church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with your Heavenly Father. I don't know. Some of you might have seen the young man that was out here a little bit ago. That was Donnie Ellis. It was his, his daddy that just passed away just it's been a couple weeks, three weeks ago, something like that. Right before Christmas, wasn't it? A couple days before Christmas. He says, he said, you did know my dad passed away. I said, yeah, I did. And I was able to encourage him just a little bit. I said, aren't you thankful that he accepted Jesus before he went on? He says, I'm so thankful. I know I'll see him again. You never know where God's going to put you just to say something to someone, to encourage someone. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you might grew up in church. That's why I said it's not about church, it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship with God. Like every head bow right quick, if you would please, and every eye close, no one looking around. If you're here today and you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to come into my life and live in on the inside of me. You said, Lord, you'd be a God to me and I would be a child to you. If you're here today and you know that you need to make that commitment, thank you, Lord Jesus then just make that. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, no one looking around, just slip your hand up real quick. I just want to see you. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Let's just make that right. Someone else. Let's extend this a little bit. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that commitment. You've never asked him to come into your heart, but or, or maybe you have asked him to come into your heart, but you, you know you've walked away from him. You haven't walked where you should. You know the things are not right in your life between you and the master. Like I've talked before, there's a difference between a relationship and a fellowship. If you've asked him to come into your heart, he's still your father. You're still his child. The relationships, you're there. The, the relationship's not broken, but the fellowship is. Let's just get that right too. Praise God. If you're here today, you've asked Jesus to be your Lord. You asked him to come in your heart, but you know you're not walking where you should. If that's you, just slip up your hand. We'll just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus. All right? All right? Thank you, Lord. Well, let's just get this all right. Let's pray this together. As we pray this prayer, you pray it to your heavenly Father. And he'll, he'll, he'll meet you right there where you're at. You ready? Here we go. Father, thank you for loving me. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I ask you to live big in my heart. Come in to my life and do what you need to do. This very day, I'm laying it all at your feet. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive you into my life. All things 
being made brand new right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now let's just give him thanks. Father, we're so thankful. So thankful. Thank you, Father. Thank you. By an act of our will, we chose to say that prayer. And God saw her heart. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If that was you and you'd never prayed that prayer, simple prayer like that before, I'm telling you, things just changed. That was the biggest decision that you could ever make in your life. If you prayed that prayer and, 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 and you had accepted Jesus, but you haven't walked where you need to, I'm telling you, it gets you back into right relationship or back right fellowship with him again. Praise God. Now go from here. Amen. Go higher from here. Go, go higher from here, praise God. Amen. God loves you, has a good plan for your life. Father, I just pray over this congregation this morning. I thank you, Father of God, as we reset some things in our life. Lord, we thank you, Father, for, for working with us and helping us and strengthening in us and loving us and encouraging us as we move forward. Lord, we're going forward in you. We give you all the glory. We thank you for a great week this week. Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hug somebody's neck, shake their hand, praise God. Be blessed. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember you're valuable and precious, special and important to Him.